traffic temper caught on camera. Why some fear there may be more of this once school is back in session. Like, I don't know what would go through somebody's head to do this. Disturbing discovery, the gruesome find that sparked an SPCA investigation. And supernatural, super crowded BC. It's complete chaos. The province's most popular parks feeling the pressure of a little too much love. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. We have breaking details of a rescue operation underway near Penticton tonight. Crews are working to save a woman who fell into a cave in the Skaha Bluffs recreational area. It's believed she suffered serious injuries. First responders called to the park around noon today. Officials say the operation is expected to last hours because of where the woman fell. It is apparently at a difficult depth. A cave expert is being flown in to assist. We will have more on this developing story as the details come into our newsroom. Now, it is about that time the anxiety starts to build for many. The night before, thousands go back to school and back to work. And that can result in traffic chaos on the roads. This is a live shot of Global One, or from Global One. Ferry terminals and border crossings busy today with people returning from their last summer getaway. As Tanya Beja reports, the surge of drivers expected tomorrow morning is prompting a reminder to slow down, pack your patience, and stay focused on the road. Rush hour road rage reaches a boiling point in East Vancouver. First, a screaming match. It's all good, guys. It's all good. Then, one driver takes a hammer to another's headlight after allegedly being cut off in traffic. Police say nobody was injured and no charges are recommended, but experts say there's no place for that behavior on the road. It's actually very tough to watch and that's why we're here today to make sure that school zones aren't like that. We want people to remain calm and just get through it and focus on what's most important and that's the safety of our children. As students return to classes Tuesday, BCAA is pleading with parents to respect the rules during drop-offs and pickups, stating driver behaviour in school zones is at its worst in the first few weeks of September. A lot of congestion, a lot of people, uh, you know, I mean, uh, people are stressed. Honking at people when they traffic in front of them. Some cars uh, parked illegally where it says don't park. And they'll make U-turns when they shouldn't be. According to Preventable BC, 72 kids are injured each year by vehicles in school or playground zones. Part of the problem, drivers are in a hurry to beat the bell. If you could add in just an extra couple of minutes a day, uh, you're going to make that school zone a whole lot safer. Second, you know, check your own attitude because you can't change the attitudes of others or the behaviors of others. All you can do is be calm and courteous and do what you're supposed to do. Like keep your eyes on the road. This photo shot last week on Highway 1 in Burnaby shows a driver with a book on the wheel and a phone in hand. And if you can, leave the car at home. Biking or walking to school reduces traffic for everyone. Tanya Beja, Global News. And the driving and more specifically parking nightmare is also being felt by many staying closer to home this long weekend. BC Parks issuing a warning about some of the most popular spots. Grace Key explains where crowd control options are now being considered. It's a stern warning for hikers heading up to Joffrey Lakes not to park off the highway. Tape is even set up to block cars. But that doesn't stop people from walking along the steep, windy, narrow road. Go, go! 
A tow truck is also brought in not just for enforcement, but to make as much room as possible for vehicles to squeeze into. <laughs> it's complete chaos. Um, there's so many people coming up. There's not enough parking for all the cars coming up. Those picturesque postings have been making their way on social media. 6,000 hikers come here on busy summer weekends. I'm just trying to grab the tail of the summer. It's uh, the long weekend, so weather is good. I thought I'd be here. That was one of the things to do on the list when we were Googling what to do in British Columbia. The BC Parks Instagram account reminds hikers to take out their garbage and that dogs are prohibited. Long-term management plans are also being discussed with all levels of government. A couple of things on the table, a trail booking and reservation system or a shuttle bus. I think people who happen to be driving by or who happy happen to be visiting our province and want to see some of the real gems in our province, I think a reservation system might do harm. Ah, that's an awesome idea because we were just coming from Pemberton. So we would very much appreciate a kind of local transportation that get us here easily. The mayor for the village of Pemberton is also asking the provincial government for increased management of the area. We, what we're asking from the provincial government through our, our resolution at the UBCM and some of our meetings is that they apply a similar budget to managing these resources as they do to marketing the province. It's a balance between access and protecting the environment for an area that's become the victim of its own success. Grace Key, Global News. And if you're looking for somewhere different to take in the great outdoors, the Upper Fraser Valley could soon be getting a new attraction. One of the people behind the hugely successful Sea to Sky Gondola near Squamish is looking at a similar project near Bridal Falls in Chilliwack. It's in the very early stages. An application has been filed to begin a two-year feasibility study that would look at everything from environmental to traffic impacts. I kind of like it because it's easy access and the uh, waterfall is really beautiful anyway and it will probably give this, uh, this place a bit of a boost just like in Squamish. I think it would be wonderful. It's a beautiful area and a lot of people don't even know about this area out here. It's a fantastic idea, especially as a business owner and also local people over here. I really love that also. Hopefully we can bring it. Well, throughout the province, there are events celebrating workers' contributions to our economy this Labor Day. At one of the largest events in Vancouver, there was also concern for the thousands of jobs lost over the recent court decision on the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. But as Jill Bennett reports, while the Premier was at the party, he was silent on the potential impact of the decision. Premier John Horgan had plenty of time to take photos, shake hands and chat with supporters following a speech at this Labor Day rally. And why wouldn't fans be happy after listening to the Premier reaffirm a promise of better jobs? And if we hold fast and hold firm, community benefits agreements will mean that British Columbians in every corner of this province can have high paying jobs, they can help build our province and make it even better than it is today. I'm proud of that, you should be proud of that as well. Horgan took no questions following his address, one that comes less than a week since the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion was halted by the Federal Court of Appeal. That decision effectively threw thousands of the very jobs the Premier is talking about into limbo. For our membership and us within the building trades on the pipeline side, it, uh, we estimate it would be about 3,000 jobs at peak construction. But there's also, you know, there's 2,000 workers in uh, Saskatchewan at the steel plant that, uh, that we're all geared up to produce the pipe for this as well, and that's going to have an immediate impact. 
At the Kinder Morgan site in Burnaby, dozens of workers were sent home following the court ruling and told more information would be provided this week. Well, the immediate reaction from those that I've talked to is, of course, uh, creates a lot of anxiety and stress and uh, the uncertainty about, uh, about their future and, and their employment. Yes, uh, the Trans Mountain Pipeline would have created jobs, but unfortunately the federal government didn't do what it needed to do in terms of consulting First Nations. But there is a more positive tone that the ruling is a stall rather than a full stop. This might give it a pregnant pause uh, to be able for the federal government now to come in and be able to build it properly after they've gone through the, uh, the legal steps and the next stages of the consultation process. Cochrane says pipeline workers are highly skilled and transient. In the meantime, many will move to where the work is. Jill Bennett, Global News. A scary scene in downtown Vancouver this afternoon. Smoke pouring from a ninth floor balcony of an apartment building on Alberni Street. Thankfully, crews were on the scene quickly and managed to knock it down before any major damage was done. There are no reports of injuries, no word yet on what was on fire. And depending on where you live, you may have smelled this fire that broke out late last night on the roof of a building on Quebec Street near Science World. The wind carrying the smell is far out as Coquitlam and the North Shore. Crews were able to put the fire out quickly and say no one was hurt, no word on a cause. Concern in an East Vancouver neighborhood tonight where three mutilated skunks have been found over the past few weeks. Kristen Robinson has more on the disturbing discovery and the reward now being offered. The skunk was just about here in the long grass. Hidden in the grass in East Vancouver, it was the third disturbing discovery in two weeks for Joanna Makowska. The fur had been removed. So, yeah, at that point I contacted the BCSPCA Animal Cruelty just to report that something weird um, seems to be going on. In mid-August, the UBC Animal Welfare adjunct professor stumbled across the first dead skunk on this field while walking her dog in China Creek North Park. There was a dead skunk with a large bloody gash to the head um, and some blood all around it. In the following two weeks, she found two more dead skunks in the same neighborhood, both mutilated with chunks of their fur cut out. I don't know what would go through somebody's head to do this. Why? I just want them to be caught. They need to be stopped and I think they need to get help. Skunks are a common sight in the city, but avoided by humans due to the noxious scent they spray from their anal glands as a defense against predators. With East Vancouver skunks under attack, the Fur Bearers organization coming to their aid. We, we can assume that this was caused by a person or persons, and for that reason, the Fur Bearers is offering a reward of $1,000 uh, to help find those individuals responsible. There's a proven scientific link between herding animals and escalating to people. So, and it's somebody in our neighborhood. So it is worrisome. The BCSPCA also investigating the skunk slaughter that neighbors hope won't get any worse. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Priceless artifacts lost in an inferno at Brazil's National Museum. The irreparable damage and the accusations about who's responsible. And a high-speed chase down a Texas highway with a baby on board. How it all ended and why this mother was running from police later. But first, relief tonight about an ailing orca's survival when the southern resident killer whale didn't return with her pod over the weekend. Just as researchers were fearing the worst, J-50 was spotted this morning. But as Kylie Stanton reports, they're holding off on celebrating for the time being. 
It's been called an unprecedented effort. An international team of biologists, veterinarians and First Nations mobilizing to save one young whale that's captivated the world. The emaciated J-50 was last seen Thursday evening trailing far behind her pod. But with no sightings reported over the weekend, many were fearing the worst. Last night even put out an update that uh, we we're looking for her, but we're, we're concerned. The statement issued by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says we are disappointed to report that J-50, the young female southern resident killer whale, also known as Scarlet, did not return from open waters off the west coast of Vancouver Island to the Salish Sea with J-Pod over the weekend. We hold out hope J-50 is still alive. This morning there was a collective sigh of relief. J-50 was spotted alive, but far from well. She's been very thin for a very long time, um, so we're very hopeful that maybe we can uh, do something that can, can assist her. The team has already attempted to feed the orca live medicated Chinook and have successfully administered a dose of antibiotics with a dart. Now they're planning a follow-up health assessment, another round of antibiotics, as well as trying to deliver a dewormer for any parasites. J-50's death would further devastate the population that's now just at 75. The loss of her reproductive potential only further endangering the species. She's just yet another reminder that things in this area are not healthy for this animal and we got to get serious about taking care of the problem. But timing could be on her side. In the fall, killer whales tend to socialize more, salmon is abundant in the local waters, and generally they don't have to swim as far to reach their food. And so those are all things that I think are uh, moving in the right direction for J50, but we still, um, we still have to be very cautious in what our, our out outlook is going to be for this individual. The team hopes to provide an update on Tuesday, knowing that with all endangered species, especially this whale, they're in a race against time. Kylie Stanton, Global News. With each fire season seemingly worse than the last, British Columbia has become very experienced in the firefight, experienced and innovative. A made-in-BC invention called the Bambi Bucket has become a fixture in the fire zones in this province. And as Aaron MacArthur reports, it's now the go-to standard in wildfire aerial attacks all over the world. Fire season might be winding down in BC, but for a Delta company... The busy season is just beginning. Bambi buckets ramping up production to meet the needs of customers all over the world. Now the fire seasons are getting longer and longer with the climate change issues and it's, it's, it's a busy year round for us now. 30 years ago, Bambi buckets were created to make firefighting from the air more efficient. Now it's the technology everyone uses from small applications to buckets that carry 10,000 kilograms of water in one lift. Bambi buckets have revolutionized the way fires are fought. This is the actual sphere that would go in. It gets punctured by the needle, and then it pumps a small amount of the liquid in, and then it gets pulled off, and it falls out of the way. But when water just won't do, SEI Industries has created something with a little more firepower. Dragon eggs. Little balls of flammable material that are far more precise than traditional methods of backburning. You're only going to burn the grasses and things up to two or three feet, and you're not going to get into the crowns of the trees and do damage to the trees and initiate a large forest fire. New methods of fire control are evolving, but it's the tried and true Bambi bucket that remains the standard for operating equipment. A made in BC success story 
built for the front lines around the world. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Online shopping may be convenient, but it's not always as advertised. Our Consumer Matters reporter, Andrea, has more on an experience that may serve as a warning to others. Anne? Yeah, it's so important to shop on reputable sites. Thanks, mm-hmm. Sophie. A global BC cameraman is sharing his story tonight with, with Consumer Matters about online shopping and expensive shipping charges. He orders some clothing from an online retailer and loved the convenience of shopping from home, but when the items needed to be returned, that's when it turned into a major inconvenience. It's like a straitjacket. It's an online shopping nightmare Global BC cameraman Al Cohen didn't expect after he took a chance purchasing clothing from an online retailer. This is a 2XL. This is, and it's not even close. This would be a, this would be maybe a large, if that. And if I put this on, it's extremely tight. Cohen says he was surfing on the web when a pop-up menu surfaced advertising Geovoss, an online retailer boasting trendy and contemporary clothing. I thought, well, wow, that's some really nice looking shirts, reasonably priced. I had ordered some stuff off online before, not from them. And I thought I'd give it a shot. Cohen ordered two dress shirts, three t-shirts, and two pairs of jeans for a total cost of $258 Canadian. When the package arrived, Cohen says the jeans were missing and the shirts, which he purposely ordered in 3XL, too small. I got this at a bigger size because I knew overseas the sizes are a bit small. But I'm sorry, this isn't even close. Cohen reached out to the company demanding a refund. When he calculated the cost to ship the items back, he was shocked. They said it might be $50, $60. It turned out uh, it was going to be 180 Canadian to send one small package of these and one small package of these back to China. Cohen contacted his credit card company to go through the chargeback process to see if the charges could be reversed. He also reached out to Consumer Matters for help. In a statement, Gio Voss telling Consumer Matters, we sincerely apologize for this situation. It was a mistake on our side. Our agent should have allowed the customer to return his product to one address in the U.S. or China according to the customer's choice. The customer has opened a credit card chargeback. If the customer cancels the chargeback in his bank, we are issuing him a full refund for his payment immediately. The Better Business Bureau says when it comes to online shopping, consumers need to do their homework. There are no laws governing in B.C. that that what the refund or return policies should be. As for Cohen, he decided to wait for his credit card company to investigate the charges. Eventually, he was issued a chargeback and got his money back. His advice for online shoppers? If you're going to order online, do it from a very reputable company. Check out their return policy. Yes, some good advice there indeed. Now, before you purchase something online, take the time and read the terms and conditions. Make sure you understand the shipping charges, do your research, and of course, read reviews. Also, make sure the online business has a physical address on the actual website. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my email address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. All right, thanks, Anne. Nearly 20 million pieces of priceless artifacts up in flames at Brazil's National Museum. It was a race against time as firefighters and museum workers tried to save what they could from the 200-year-old collection. It's believed multiple items, including dinosaur bones and one of the oldest human fossils in Latin America, were lost. No one was injured in the blaze and the cause is under investigation. Well, this may scare you away from using a valet service. This car dangling from a parkade in Pittsburgh after it crashed through the second floor wall. 
Behind the wheel was a valet driver. A witness says they were eating breakfast at a restaurant below when there was a loud bang, but he still couldn't believe what he saw when he looked up. We're through a red ball intersection. She just blew through that. Still high rate of speed coming up to the creek. Hold here, hold here, 1050. She's got the baby and we're running. We're running. And this high-speed chase had an ending no one was expecting. The female driver topping speeds of over 160 kilometers per hour on a busy highway in Texas trying to evade the law. The driver eventually crashes into the pickup truck, but her chase isn't over. As you saw, she grabbed the baby from the back seat and started running, then tries to carjack another vehicle before being apprehended. The woman who had outstanding warrants is now facing several charges, including child endangerment. Well, the U.S. Gulf Coast is bracing for a tropical storm barreling toward its coast tonight. A tropical storm Gordon has already brought heavy rain and gusty winds, but all of that is expected to get worse. Experts are now warning the system is gaining strength and could turn into the region's first hurricane of the season. Tonight, tropical storm Gordon is drenching Florida and strengthening as it moves into the Gulf of Mexico. Beaches closed this holiday weekend under the threat of rip currents and storm surge. I didn't expect it to end up like this. I thought it was just going to be out of bands, rain, not like this. Gordon could become a hurricane by the time it makes landfall tomorrow night, with the storm surge forecast to reach up to five feet in some areas. People from Mobile to New Orleans bracing for landfall. Do not dismiss this. Do not take this lightly because it's a tropical storm and may get to a category one. Right now, another storm system is bringing flash flooding to the Midwest. First in the plains, now Chicago, grounding flights at O'Hare. Parts of the international terminal flooding. The road to the airport underwater. But tonight, the biggest concern remains Gordon. Coming almost one year to the day, Hurricane Irma devastated so many lives. Blake McCoy, NBC News. In Health Matters tonight, some tips on how to manage job stress on this Labor Day. More and more people are feeling the pressure to be plugged into their jobs 24-7. In fact, a recent survey found work is the number one cause of stress. So how do you manage that job stress? The American Psychological Association is reminding people to set boundaries, including turning off your cell phone for a period of time and setting out a set time to return calls and emails when at home. And of course, don't forget to get enough shut-eye and exercise. A Vancouver counselor and athlete is on a mission to spread the love one stone at a time. She started painting rocks with positive messages and giving them to her clients. She saw such a positive response that she decided to expand the project, leaving the little reminders all over the Lower Mainland. And it turns out this simple act is leaving a lasting impression. You put yours on the post, I'm gonna, I'll go on the rock. <laughs> when I started my private practice as a counselor, I found it was really helpful at the end of a session to offer a stone and then say to them, you know, when you hold the stone or when you see it, I'm hoping that you'll be reminded of our conversation. The kids really love it. They would take her rocks after a session and they would leave with that. They'd come into my room and they'd just be so content. So I kind of ramped it up, started uh, painting more, started bringing them to schools, leaving them in people's desks, and then slowly kind of started leaving them in my neighbor's yards and stuff like that. Here, I'm going to put... 
one there. And when Natasha and I hooked up as work partners, she sort of suggested, let's bring it into nature and let's bring the rocks on our hikes and our runs and stuff. We pick trails that are, are local, that people frequent, and even some remote ones. When someone finds a rock, I'm hoping that it will help to shift their mood, to put a smile on their face. Mine says hope, hope for a good tomorrow, a better future, and uh, just hope for the world. By doing this, it's a way to spread love, and it's definitely been contagious. A couple months ago, Natasha thought it would be cool if we put our Instagram addresses on the back. There's one woman in Scotland who's painting rocks now um, because she saw what we were doing online. And that, I think, really made us realize how many people are picking up on this. We left that uh, rock in the park three or four days ago on the other side of the park, and here it is. That's pretty neat. It's beautiful. I can put it into my garden. They make me smile. You don't have to do anything big or expensive or huge to, you know, make someone feel good. Why this bus stop is gaining attention across North America and the contest it just might win. Coming up right after Christy's forecast. Who knew there was a contest for bus stops? All right, Christy is at the PNE one more time this year, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people are flocking to it on this holiday Monday. Christy? Yes, definitely, Sophie. It's a busy one. It always is on the holiday Monday before everyone heads back to school. I'm at the prize home, the 2018 PE prize home, and this one is a 3,000 square foot luxurious home. This deck here is almost a 360 degree view, and wait till you hear about the type of lot that it's going to be put on. We'll be talking to Jeff Strickland in a second. First, though, it is a beautiful day. It's so nice to have one last summer like day before the kids head back to school and down here at the PE. There's your uh, view over there, a few clouds off in the distance. We saw 19 degrees at the airport, but 20 elsewhere. First snowfall, everyone. Oh my gosh, it hurts, doesn't it? But no, for a lot of people, that is great news. Higher elevations drop down to the zero degree mark and look at the lows overnight. So especially through the north, down to four, five degrees. It was chilly thanks to a couple of cold fronts that moving across the province. And tonight is going to be even colder, down to zero degrees, Fort St. John, right through the central interior and caribou region. Expect frost tonight and again tomorrow night. There's the two cold fronts that are uh, causing this uh, drop in temperature. We've got another system off in the distance. That is going to hit Haida Gwaii, but not the rest of the province. Big ridge of high pressure is going to build and help protect us for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. A great three first days of school, but it's going to be cold in the morning, especially in these northern regions. Uh, so when the kids are heading to school, they'll need a jacket, but then when they're heading home, it'll be fine. Overnight lows down through this area, and then what you'll see in the morning, seven degrees, but again, warming up nicely in that sunshine. We'll see nine degrees overnight across the south coast, 24 degrees away from the water uh, tomorrow. We'll see up to uh, 26 on Wednesday and Thursday. So three great uh, first couple of days of uh, school. Nice to have one last day of beautiful weather here at the PE. This is Jeff Strickland. He is the VP of Operations here at the PE. Jeff, this is an amazing home this year. Yeah, it's absolutely spectacular. One of our most popular by far. With, with an elevator, I might add. Yeah, elevator indoors. And as you mentioned, these wraparound decks. Yeah. Uh, for just to uh, take advantage of the spectacular views of where it's going in Aramata. 
Yeah, tell us about the Lawton Narramatta. Yeah, it's nestled up on the hill with uh, lake views, uh, right in the uh, heart of Okanagan wine country. A, a beautiful location and something we can all dream of. Oh, I can't imagine. Like, just right in the heart of wine country. Walk out your door, walk down the street and get a glass of wine. Uh, so there are some uh, great features, uh, environmental features to the house. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the history of the um, of the home. Because, I mean, it's around, you said 90... Eight years? 84 years now. Oh, sorry. We started this tradition, or the PE did, 84 years ago with the first prize home in North America, uh, which is situated a little bungalow on Hastings Street, the dream home that featured an electric stove. And now we've come 84 years all the way to here. With also a lot of electrical appliances and things like that. Oh, yeah, all the best, all the best appliances, furnishing, and of course the elevator. Now, today's the last day that you can get tickets. You can go to the website, peonypricehome.ca or one eight seven seven win home All the way up to midnight, you do not want to miss out. I'm telling you, this really is a fantastic home. Thanks so much, Jeff. Thank you, Christy. Back to you, Soph. Who doesn't need an elevator in their home? <laughs> Thank you, Christy. A local bus stop is in the running for a North American competition, but this is one we don't want to win. Take a look. This bus stop along Lougheed Highway in Pitt Meadows is a finalist in the worst bus stop in North America contest. TransLink says it has been flagged, but that bus shelters are the responsibility of local municipalities. This local stop is in the running with Pittsburgh, New Orleans and Cincinnati. Finalists were chosen by a U.S. transit blog, and commuters seem to agree with the distinction. Standing here on the side of a highway, I don't think it's safe for me, because like you see all these cars coming around, and there's no place to sit. I would just say that this is like not a really good bus stop. I think if we really put our minds to it and really try, we could have the worst way? bus stop. Yeah. What has the world come to? that there is a contest for the worst bus stop. Like, really, can they actually... I mean, that does look like a bad what bus What do you get? Stop. Like, I know, what do you get? A plaque? They should actually give them a bus shelter. A bus shelter. Yeah. And they, make, and they don't have to be the worst one anymore. Uh, we just saw Christy at the P&E. Yes. Of course, of course. Yes, yes. We've um, cleaned ourselves off. After <laughs> Sorry, I spilt a few adventure. things on you. Yeah. You know what? I think you did it on purpose. No. People accuse me of that. I was it, holding the drink. Because you did. No, I didn't. <laughs> I was holding the drink out to give it back to you, and that thing whipped around. My arm is stiff, and I went like this. Yeah, yeah. That's what happened. Well, we'll try again next year. Rematch. All right. And speaking <laughs> of next year. Speaking of next year, um, I talked to the new boss of the P&E, Shelley Frost. Mike McDaniel, for years, was in charge. Mm-hmm. And now he's gone to uh, Coast Mountain Bus, I think. Okay. Speaking of which. And uh, Shelley is now the boss. So I thought I'd sit down with her and talk about this year's fair and some things in the future as well. There are a lot of moving parts and moving people at the annual fair at the p and You've got to make sure there's enough food, rides, shows, people selling gadgets. You have to be able to entertain every age group on one site. Um, it's, it really is building a small city over a, few, a period of a few weeks. Uh, there's so many aspects of it that come together. We'll literally start planning uh, for next year's fair the day after we close. Of course, one thing they can never plan for is weather, and this year it was something new, smoky and hot, which brought attendance down on the days it flared up. 
Uh, you know, we're, we're always targeting to bring in between 700 and 750,000 people. And uh, with the smoke that we had in the first week, we'll probably, you know, be leaning toward the, the lower end of that spectrum this year. But uh, we're proud to be the largest ticketed event in BC. And um, we're thrilled that there are so many people that come year after year and are willing to spend um, some of their time with us and build some of their memories with us. So what's the Goldilocks weather for the PE? What's just right? Goldilocks uh, is a perfect, slightly overcast day, a little bit of blue sky, not too hot where you're going to go off to the beach, um, and uh, just a beautiful summer day. Now even though the PE's demographics are good, we really get people from all corners of the Lower Mainland and across BC um, at every age and, and every ethnicity. Nothing can stay completely the same. There is a long-term plan to expand Playland into the northeast parking lot right by the racetrack. So we'll have more room for rides and attra attractions, more room to green the area and have a really sustainable park. Are you going to bring in another attraction? Some, oh, another iconic, no, no, I mean like a, like, like a, some sort of crazy iconic roller coaster <laughs> or something? Is there any thoughts to that? Absolutely. It's definitely really? on our radar. Um, custom roller coasters like that, uh, they take a lot of planning and a number of years to, to build. So we're always in discussions and stuff about what that's going to look like. And yeah, we're hoping that uh, sometime in you know the next five years we'll have some uh, an, an amazing new coaster coming. Oh, really? Okay. But not, not to replace what you got? Not to replace, just to enhance. All right, Squire, sports. Thank you very much. Um, the winningest coach in CFL history should not be going into retirement with two straight losing seasons. Last year, the Lions were 7-11. and 11. Right now, they're 3-6. and six. And the reason Wally Buono's crew is below the waterline is mistakes at the worst possible times. And at this level of football, and I know it sounds cliche, but the team that makes the least errors usually wins. Now, the Lions don't play until Friday at home against Ottawa, so they have all week to get their heads on straight. It's all hands on deck for the BC Lions in more ways than one. At three and six, the Leos are dead last in the West and have scored the fewest amount of points in the West Division. Drop balls have cost this team dearly, and if you're not scoring points, you won't be winning many football games, regardless how well your defense plays. You know, it definitely hurts when you you haven't really been beaten yet this season. We've just been beating ourselves over and over again. So you know. Coach talked about in the beginning of the season uh, playing um, complementary football. You know, the offense taking care of the ball so the defense can get a rest. Defense getting a turnover so the offense can have good field position. And uh, I think we've been starting to show signs of that, but we haven't put it together completely yet. There's still time for the Lions to make something of this season. Coming off their third and final bye week, Wally Buono held a team meeting prior to practice where accountability was the main theme. From here on out, instead of pointing fingers at what hasn't gone right, players basically pledge to take a good long look in the mirror to help right all the wrongs plaguing this football club. We all have our personal issues with either it's the playbook or it's effort or, you know, so we just all stood up and was like, hey, you know, say one thing that you're going to work harder on. And, uh, and we were going to just hold each other accountable. It bothers you when, when some of the stuff is self-inflicted, right? And so, so for us, is, is, is cutting that out, you know, like Wally always says, you can sleep at night if the other team beats you, but it's, it's tougher when, when you find ways to hurt yourself a little bit and, and, you know, make it harder than it needs to be. One thing BC has going in their favor is every team in front of them in the West, with the exception of Calgary, has played more games than the Lions. 
So if the Leos can string some wins together, maybe, just maybe, the playoffs aren't such a pipe dream. You know, offensively, right now, I would say we're just a little bit inconsistent. And, uh, you know, in the, in the green zone, red zone, we don't score enough touchdowns. And, uh, you know, when we can uh, fix that inconsistency and we can score when we have the opportunities, uh, we'll start winning. Labor Day means a couple of traditional battles, Calgary and Edmonton, Bo Levi Mitchell, Tavares Daniels, with moves, touchdown. Mike Riley and the Eskimos love the long bomb. And this one connects to Keel Williams, 45 yards. Eskimos led by four at halftime, but Rene Paredes for the win. With no time left and the score tied at 20. Stamps get another one in front of the home fans. Hamilton, Toronto. This game was close. Oh, old school bomber going over Ivor Wynn. This game was close until the fourth when this happened. Alex Green breaking tackles, making some moves and getting in the end zone. And Ticats ran away from there 42-28 over the Argos. Tiger Woods. Yeah, the red shirt's out on a Last run of the uh, Dell Technologies, the latest FedEx Cup playoff oh, this is a tournament. Tiger is getting wet right get there. 16th hole, that's a double bogey. Even par today, finished uh, 24th. He will play next week. Adam Hadwin got some TV time. Don't see this often enough. Makes the birdie putt. He finished 21st, eight back. He'll play next week at the BMW. Bryson DeChambeau. Tough spot, chips it close, wins for the second straight week. Minus 16. The man who likes to have all his irons the same size. Mm-hmm. He's a thinking man, approaches the game differently. Novak Djokovic, Zhao Souza. To get into the quarterfinals at the U.S. Open. Great backhand point for Djokovic, won the first set 6-3. This is a nice rally. Oh, oh, no. Djokovic now going hat off, wins the second set. Another great rally here. Down the line, Djokovic gets it. Down the line, Djokovic gets it. Souza gets that, Djokovic gets that, Souza gets that, Djokovic gets that. Souza Djokovic, ball game. If Federer wins tonight, he will play Djokovic in the quarterfinals. It's considered to be one of America's greatest achievements, but a new movie capturing this moment in history is being met with mixed reviews. First Man, starring Ryan Gosling, was supposed to celebrate astronaut Neil Armstrong's walk on the moon. But for some, it's missing a key part of the story. It's one of the most iconic moments in human history, but this morning the first moon landing is getting new attention here on planet Earth. This was widely regarded uh, in the end as a human achievement. Actor Ryan Gosling fueling a political firestorm with those comments. This is an American achievement, bar none. Gosling plays astronaut Neil Armstrong in First Man. We're planning on the flight being successful. A new film about the U.S. mission that put the first man on the moon. 
But the film, which premiered Thursday at the Venice Film Festival, does not include that famous moment where the American flag is planted on the moon's surface. The backlash from conservative commentators has been fierce, many branding the movie anti-American. Politicians entering the fray, Senator Marco Rubio tweeting, the American people paid for that mission on rockets built by Americans with American technology and carrying American astronauts. It wasn't a U.N. mission. And Senator Ted Cruz writing, really sad, Hollywood erases American flag from moon landing. Gosling explaining to reporters that the film's intent was to focus on Armstrong's personal introspective journey. I don't think that Neil viewed himself as an American hero. According to the film's director, Damien Chazelle, and confirmed by Universal Pictures, NBC's sister company, the American flag is shown standing on the lunar surface multiple times in the movie, just not the actual planting of the flag. Armstrong passed away in 2012, but his own unforgettable words from that landing live on forever. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. For today, Joe Fryer, NBC News. I was going to say, it's my one. I'm not a guy who goes around and gets photos signed. But you did <laughs> once. My uncle worked for NASA, so he oh, sent really? me when I was a child a photo of uh, Buzz Aldrin standing near the American flag, and he came through town once promoting a book, and I got him to sign it. So that's my one signed photo. So cool. Yeah. There's right. not many people who walked on the moon, so there you go. That's a good point. All right, before we head back to the PE, e um, before we go tonight, we want to congratulate community reporter oh. Michael Newman. That's not him. Uh, that's his wow. baby. His uh, Michael and his wife, Laura Ann, welcomed a baby boy over the weekend. His name is Solus. Everyone happy and healthy. This is their first child, and Michael still came in to work right after his <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> You can take a day off now, Michael. Yeah. All right, uh, one quick uh, last check of the PE with Christy for the year. Christy. Thanks, Soph. Yes, last day of the peony, last day of unofficial summer, and you can feel it. It's only 7 o'clock, and there is a chill in the air. A lot of areas across the province will be very cold tonight. Zero degrees in the Caribou Central Interior and North here, 9, and it will be a beautiful next three days for the first couple of days of school. Back to you guys. I see myself on that patio with a glass of wine. If you know who the winner is, and maybe they'll invite you. Well, we'll find out. Did you buy a ticket? I have today to buy a ticket. Oh. That's it. Have a good night, all.